there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another episode of T for C. I hope you are having an awesome day. I cannot tell you just how excited I am to interview my next guest, because if I'm being entirely honest here, very few of my guests are real Java junkies. I mean, the kind of people who are eating, drinking, and breathing all things coffee. And that is exactly what my next guest does, because she works at a company you may have heard of before. It's called Starbucks. But before I introduce you to Lucy Helm, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's the weekly newsletter we send out on Monday mornings, giving you a one-stop shop way of getting an overview of the five episodes we're going to be dropping that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee homepage. That's at time, the number four, coffee.org and sign up. And while you're there, you should check out the rest of the homepage, which has all the T4C episodes organized by career. So let's say you're interested in a career in advertising or marketing or sales. Just click on that box to see all the professionals we've interviewed in those fields. Or perhaps it's computer science, IT or tech or international development. Or what about building a career in sports? And we've also got experts in health, wellness and self-care. Because my friends, What good is it to have a job you love if your physical health and or your mental health sucks? Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of a delicious Starbucks drip or espresso drink because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my wonderful next guest is Lucy Helm. Executive Vice President and Chief Partner Officer at Starbucks. Lucy has been a partner, that's Starbucks lingo for employee, since 1999 and previously served as EVP General Counsel and Secretary for more than five years. She's also part of the senior leadership team at Starbucks, reporting directly to the CEO, Kevin Johnson. Lucy was recognized in 2014 by the National Law Journal as one of America's 50 Outstanding General Counsels. And she received Legal Momentum's Woman of Achievement Award and was honored with the Washington Appleseed Bradley C. Diggs Outstanding Service Award for Leadership in Social Justice in 2015. And throughout Lucy's almost 20 years at Starbucks, she has been a powerful voice for equality and a champion for diversity. All topics we're going to be covering in our caffeinated career conversation. Lucy, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Thank you, Andrea. I am definitely caffeinated. It's part of my job description to do that. And we (laughs) live, eat and breathe coffee and all things coffee at Starbucks. So what type of Starbucks coffee are you savoring today? Well, I'm on my third cup, two cups this morning of Thanksgiving blend, which is our newest coffee that I just love. And it comes seasonally for us. And that coffee stands up to great, strong taste. So Mm. it's been a great seasonal favorite for us. And now I'm drinking a skinny peppermint mocha. 
Mm, delicious. Well, I am savoring just a regular drip myself, but you know, you got to have that Pike's Peak every now and then. You got to keep the oldies and goodies in play. Lucy, I would like to start in a slightly different place than I do with most time for coffee guests, because after all, you work for Starbucks, one of the world's best known coffee brands and coffee shops. And I'm not sure if all my Java junkies realize this, but I actually decided to call this podcast Time for Coffee because I wanted to telegraph to shorthand to young people that Almost all the content on T4C would be in effect like a virtual networking coffee, as if you and I were actually sitting across from one another at our neighborhood Starbucks with me asking you all kinds of questions about your career and getting your sage advice, which is something I'm sure you do all the time, right? It is. I think when you say that, Andrea, one of the great things about being at Starbucks is we have a saying, it's not just about the coffee. We have wonderful coffee here sourced from all over the world. But the important part of who we are as a business, and if you look at what our mission statement is, it is to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one cup, one person, one neighborhood at a time. And that means to savor that human connection that people crave so much in their life and to provide people an outlet for that and an actual physical space for them to have those moments of connection, not only with each other, but with the baristas that serve them and to be part of something bigger than themselves. So what do you think it is, Lucy, about a coffee shop and specifically a Starbucks coffee shop that has made it a favorite destination for people of all ages who want to get career advice and may send an email or a text to somebody they know or somebody their parents know and they say, hey, can we grab a cup of coffee at Starbucks so I can get your advice on my career? Andrew, we really pride ourselves in being the people that offer a third place, a place between your home. It's not your home. It's not the place you work, but it's a third place where you can gather and connect with others. It's a place where you can belong and feel safe, warm, and welcoming in that space. And so I think it's really become in our society now a natural place where people gather to interview a babysitter, to meet an old friend, to go over a real estate contract, to do your work or write your resume. It's been a place where people feel welcome and a space that they feel part of. What is the best career advice, Lucy, that you've ever gotten? Maybe it was even in a Starbucks. I will say that it's a repeated advice from the smartest people that I know, and that is to do what you love, to be very deliberate in your choices, to not let life happen to you, but to be thoughtful about the approaches that you take in your career and your life, and that every single day, and in fact, every single moment, that you experience is a choice and that you can enjoy your job or you cannot enjoy your job. And if you don't, then you should maybe think about doing something different, but that no one should be a victim to the circumstances they're in. But again, take every day as a deliberate, thoughtful choice on what they want, how they want to live it. I love that. I hope Java junkies take that in because that also applies to your time in college. Lucy, I'm going to want to get into your career before you arrived at Starbucks a little bit later. Sure. But first, I want to talk with you about the almost 20 years you've been at this one company and specifically your current role as chief partner officer. I know Starbucks calls its employees partners. 
Does that mean, in effect, you're head of global HR? And if so, why not just say that? I am head of global HR, but we are not a company that uses corporate lingo very much here. Just like our coffee shops, where human connections are key, our people are our most important asset. I like to say that I have the second most important job in the company, the first being the coffee buyers who source and roast our most quality product that we serve to our customers. But I get to be the fortunate leader who is able to strategize about the people that we put before the public and that we work on or work together with to bring our experience live to our customers. Our people and the relationships that we have, our connections with each other, we know from our business that that people that come to Starbucks come because of our people. They come not only because of the people that serve them each day in the stores, the baristas that interact with them and have a connection with them, but they also come because of the reputation we have as a corporation to treating our people right. Yeah, absolutely. Lucy, how do you think your job, your current role at Starbucks, are different or maybe similar to the heads of HR at other big companies in this country and around the world? What do you think Java junkies might be surprised to learn about what you do as chief partner officer? Well, first, just knowing our company, it's hard to imagine the size and scope of it. We have... 350,000 partners or more around the globe wearing the green apron, proudly representing Starbucks. And I am the chief partner officer who supports their hiring, career development, and experience at the company. Is there anything about that experience that you think Java junkies might be surprised to learn? What is the partner experience like as an employee of the Starbucks company? We have a heritage of putting people first. And that started in our very early days, starting in 1971, when we became a company that began offering benefits, full-time benefits to part-time workers, starting with not only a good wage, but also health care. When no company was doing this, way before the Affordable Care Act or any extensive company support of health benefits, we were offering those to people that worked 20 or more hours per week. And we then began continuing to developing benefits that would support our partners' personal and professional development, including not only health care, but stock ownership, so that that's why we actually we call them partners, because they own a piece of the company in mm-hmm. stock ownership. But then most recently, some of our benefits, including a full paid college tuition and an opportunity to get a college degree simply by being a Starbucks partner. That is amazing. And I cannot wait to ask you because I do want to ask you about that college plan in a few minutes. Lucy, as the chief partner officer, are there specific qualities or skills that you look for in the people who you've hired over the years at Starbucks on the corporate side of the business? It's a great question. It certainly is not what is written on a resume. It is not a number of degrees or number of jobs or roadmap that gets you a job. What I really look for is passion and commitment and thoughtful approach to your career. It is not a straight line. So I'm not looking for someone who's climbing a ladder. I'm looking for someone who is working the jungle gym of life but also really being thoughtful about each step in their career and not letting life happen to them. It means that they might deviate and take a path and an opportunity that teaches and and gives them an experience that broadens them as a person. It also means that they are constantly and continually 
constantly curious and learning. So that's not something that you can pick up in a document or a LinkedIn profile, but it is something that you can learn from a personal conversation about what someone is looking for in a career and what something is looking for in professional and personal development. And it's clearly something you're practicing. You're not just preaching. I mean, look at you. You were at the top of your legal profession within Starbucks as the general counsel. And yet here you are. You've allowed yourself to go outside your comfort zone and become the chief partner officer. I honestly never thought that I would do anything but become the head of the legal department. And frankly, I never dreamed I'd do that when I first came to Starbucks. I thought that I would be a very good litigator, which is what I entered the company to do, to be a trial lawyer for Starbucks and represent us when we got sued or had uh, complaints or disputes. That was my first job. And I hoped that I would continue to get better at that job. And every day that I had great leaders who gave me experiences that were beyond my comfort zone, I learned. So I would take on different things within law, um, intellectual property or contracts or privacy or ethics and compliance and things I never dreamed I'd have to learn. By the time that I had a great breadth of experience, when the job came available to be the chief lawyer or the general counsel, I was set up for success in that, Andrea, because I had a big scope of experience and I had taken on so many things and learned so many things that were way beyond my traditional understanding and what I thought that I would focus on when I first got out of law school. And I also learned how to be a business person, meaning that I learned how to do a budget and develop my financial and business acumen. And I knew everything there was to know about Starbucks business. So that was important for my continued career development. But still in all, I thought I would retire from here being the general counsel, the best general counsel I could be, Starbucks chief lawyer and the person that managed its its corporate legal affairs and then retire and go off into the sunset, maybe (laughs) doing a nonprofit. And one day when the head of HR job, which was then called our chief head, head of human resources leader, when that job became open and I was working for our CEO, Kevin Johnson, and I said to him that I'd be happy to help him search for the next person in that role. That role was very important to me as a leader because I think that the chief people leader of our company is, like I told you before, very, very important and critical to maintaining the partner engagement and development and making sure that we had the best resources and talent to our company. So I thought, I'll find a good leader for Kevin. I will find somebody outside externally who's very expert at this and who brings years of experience. And as I looked at those people bringing years of experience and actually learned through it, And as I took on the interim role of leading partner resources at Starbucks, I started to really love the job. I really loved everything I was learning, coming to work for a bunch of people whose everyday goal is to make the personnel experience better for their fellow partner. Every day they come here to help support them, challenge them, pay them develop them and strengthen their connections with the company. And that was inspiring to me to work with what I just thought of as human resources professionals. And I realized they were really the heart of the company and creating the mission and values and bringing that to life for our company. To tell you the truth, I wanted to be part of it. So I decided to talk to Kevin about maybe retiring my old job and coming in to work in this new job. And it meant that he took a chance on me as well, because I didn't have the expertise that someone would have come in from the outside with 20 years of experience as a HR professional. But I did have the love of the company, a leadership experience in the company, and a commitment to the partners based upon my tenure here. 
I love that story, Lucy. And as you were talking, what went through my mind was something that I have come to appreciate more and more, and that is never say never. I have found that in my own professional life when somebody says, hey, Andrea, are you ever going to go back into the world of journalism? And I nope, I'm done with it. Not that a podcast <laughs> is the same as being a correspondent on CNN, but it's a different yep. form. So what you just experienced was you don't know what you don't know. Like there you had that opportunity and you went for it and you discovered that you loved it. You know what I really love about it too, Andrea, is that every single day, a partner at Starbucks will come up to me and say, because you took a chance and and took a leap into a whole new field that you weren't knowledgeable about, that you had no experience in, and that you're doing a good job in a whole new field, I have the courage to take that step as well. And I underestimated the role modeling that that would be for my own partners to say that they could also take a chance on their own career development and do something that they loved. Wow, that is incredible. Lucy, I want to shift a little bit and talk about some of the amazing things that Starbucks has done in this country and frankly around the world. This month, it's the month of October, we're at the end of it, but Starbucks became the first signing store in the U.S. And by that, I mean the first store in the country in which Starbucks employees, your partners, use American Sign Language. And just the other day, the United Nations Refugee Agency, also known as UNHCR, reiterated that Starbucks is committed to hiring over 10,000 refugees over a period of five years and committed to integrating them into your workforce. What message are you at Starbucks trying to send your customers and other companies in the U.S. with these initiatives? That is a very big question, and it has a lot of parts. First, let me talk about why we do things for our own partners and what we try to role model. And that is the, the really big word, and that is opportunity. We believe that this company should be providing opportunities to a diverse and inclusive set of human beings that we will never say never about who can come into this company and who would bring value. And what we try to do is open those doors by actually illustrating who, who can come here and who can work here and who can be successful here. And that is a very diverse group, set of people. It's a great first job for young people who might not have ever had a job, who might not have a college degree or have ever held another position. It's a great part-time job for someone who is taking a break from their career and might be writing a book. It is a great job for a military spouse whose husband or wife travels with their military assignment and you get shifted in different places and then you too can have a career and shift with that company because we can take on a military spouse and transition when their partner might move into a military career elsewhere. It's a great job for a refugee who might feel warmth and belonging in the first family they might be ever part of. It's a great job for a second chance person who might have had problems in a first career but gets a new chance working at Starbucks. I think that the important thing is that our store managers in our retail stores are so equipped to look for people who can bring that human connection, the skill base of making people feel warmth and belonging, and the love of coffee, that if they have those skills, their backgrounds may not be as critical as their ability to deliver the service to our customers that that's needed. No, oh, thank you for that. You have sat 
on the senior leadership team at Starbucks for many years now, and you report directly to the CEO. Can you please talk a little bit about why you have championed diversity within Starbucks, including the Global Inclusion Council, the Pride Network, and the Access Alliance Council? What message are you trying to send Java junkies, those who want to work at Starbucks and those who visit Starbucks as customers? Personally, I think that I've always been a champion of diversity as a woman growing up in a field in law, which it was often a struggle, not because there weren't enough women law students. But as soon as I got out, I realized that that was one of the least diverse professions that can be worse than almost any profession because that it was a male dominated and still, unfortunately, is today. So that the challenges that women face to get an equal seat at the table was something that I experienced in my own career. And I saw my fellow women lawyers struggle with it. And we realized united and speaking up, we could accomplish something and get our own voice heard. And realizing that, I think I took it as a personal commitment to not only strengthen and network and coach and mentor other women who had my same experience coming out of law school and that I also felt that when I came into a corporation. It was very different here from the start, moving from a law firm life to Starbucks. It was incredible the amount of diversity I saw around the table, even among our leaders, as soon as I got here. And I realized that the reason for that was an intentional commitment to opening the doors to all people that could come in because we believed, much like our stores, that no one should be left unheard and that every voice makes us stronger and diversity is a corporate value, not because it's something we're doing as a charitable matter, but because it makes us a stronger business. And I learned so much almost immediately upon working in the, in, walking in the door at Starbucks about what diversity could mean to making a stronger business. What I realized, though, is that you have to put teeth into it and be very deliberate and thoughtful about your approach. That means championing and leading efforts on diversity so that all people, those who may feel marginalized, who may not have felt that their voices were heard, believe that their company stands for them, that they can bring their whole selves to work no matter who that is. It means that being part of a company who is one of the first companies in corporate America who offered domestic partner benefits when the rest of the world wasn't doing champion LGBT rights when other companies weren't doing it and who have still stood for those principles publicly, not only because it's important for us, but to also challenge other companies to do the same. Wonderful. You know, in addition, in your free time, I can't imagine there's that much, but outside of work, you've always been involved in your community, both locally and globally. You've done pro bono legal work. You volunteer with a local nonprofit in Seattle that provides housing and other services to people with disabilities. And you and I actually know one another because for the last five and a half years, you have been volunteering your time as a trustee and unpaid board member on the Global Humanitarian and Development Organization, Mercy Corps, where I used to work and where you and I used to run into one another. All of this volunteer work requires you to donate your time, your energy, and in some cases, your financial resources. Lucy, why do you think Java junkies should consider getting involved in volunteering while they're still in college and as young professionals? What are they going to get out of these experiences? I feel very fortunate that I grew up in a family 
that from my earliest days shared what we had with other people and that we did it not because of obligation, but because my parents made sure that we knew that we were becoming better people, but more that we opened our eyes to the rest of the world by sharing what we had. So again, from our very earliest days, we did public service as kids and then young adults. And my parents would ask me what things were of interest to me and how I could share my talents, time and resources with others. And so what was fun for me is that I got to pick where I was interested in. So I wasn't slotted into a volunteer opportunity at a food bank, but I got to say what was interesting to me. What it was interesting to me early on was other kids and kids that didn't have opportunities. So I volunteered at juvenile justice and at detention center and did art projects for people that were juvenile offenders. I don't know why that struck me as something that I loved, but I did. And then quickly I came to really love probably for my own experiences, people with disabilities and worked at summer camps and became a like a big brother, big sister relationship with another person with a intellectual disability. And again, I think that the reason it was meaningful to me is because no one signed me up for it, but I choose what was interesting to me in the way that I could give back. My parents didn't give me any choice about giving back, but they did give me choices about what part that spoke to me and how I could contribute at a high level. So I think it really was finding things that I love to do and sharing my talents with others and then becoming better at it because it was shared. Lucy, I don't know how many Java junkies are aware of the incredible opportunity that you alluded to at the beginning of this interview that Starbucks is offering any of its part-time or full-time employees to get a full ride on their college degree. It's called the Starbucks College Achievement Plan. Could you please share with Java Junkies how this program works and why Starbucks decided to pioneer this program with Arizona State University? Andrea, I'm so proud of the College Achievement Program that Starbucks runs. Several years ago, we asked our partners what benefits would be most important or opportunistic for them. And We received so much feedback that people were having challenges paying for and completing a college education. And if there was any way that we could support them to get a college degree, that would be something that was on the top of their list. And we spent considerable time talking with other universities about how we could make an affordable college education available to our partners. We ended up partnering with a unique university, Arizona State University, who not only pioneered online learning, but also was willing to expand their commitments in partnership with us for all kinds of degrees to all of our partners around the United States. And we ended up in a partnership with them so that we could offer any of our Starbucks partners the opportunity to get a free online college education with support from Arizona State University counselors and peer coaches to complete their degree on our dime. They sign up, they become part of the program, and they do not have to take like a culinary arts degree or anything that is going to help them get a better job at Starbucks. Instead, they can focus on any aspect of the career that they want to, from nursing to engineer to tech to psychology. And we provide not only financial support, but moral support to help them get that degree online. 
We have about 10,000 people signed up that have signed up to be part of our program. Thousands of graduates. I just attended the graduation last spring at Arizona State University, where hundreds of our Starbucks partners who had been in stores around the country and taken their program flew in to get their degree and proudly accept their diploma as a college graduate that they had taken through our college achievement plan. It's just extraordinary. And in our show notes, we'll make sure to include a link to the Starbucks College Achievement Plan so Java junkies can learn all about it. It's really incredible. Well, one of the cool things, Andrea, is that people now come to Starbucks just for that degree. They hear about that program, and I am so happy to see that they sign up to be a barista at our stores so they can finish college. We now even offer ways to help people finish their high school so that they can enter into college, and then they can go through Starbucks and get their degree with then no financial bearing. That is phenomenal. It's really extraordinary. And I think Starbucks needs to be congratulated many times over for this innovative partnership. Lucy, prior to your current role, as we've discussed, you were Starbucks general counsel. You led a global team of more than 225 legal and compliance lawyers in 16 offices around the world. Could you please speak to Java junkies out there who may be considering a career in law and might be interested in going in-house one day to work for a private sector company like a Starbucks? I know that you've done both. You've worked in-house and in private law firms. What are the upsides and downsides to being in-house counsel versus working for a private firm that has lots of different types of clients? It's a great question. There are so many things you can do with a law degree today. And I still highly recommend that as a career path to those who are interested in not only justice, but problem solving, business, and all kinds of ways that you can contribute back to society. It opens up a lot of pathways, both in the traditional work by working for governments or law firms or being a more traditional lawyer role. When you're in law school, they hardly ever talk about what it's like to work in a company and what it's like to be a lawyer for a company. And in fact, when I first started looking at it, I didn't know what I would do to support a company. In fact, I thought it would be limiting to only have one client. Mm -hmm. What I found is that the breadth that you could get into learn all the ins and outs of a business for one company is so exciting because you really get to be not only a lawyer, but a business person. When people ask me what it's like, I tell them that it is not only problem solving, relationship building, advising, counseling. It's a deliberate way to get to know deeply the ins and outs of a business, but also to provide very wise counseling so that people avoid risk and get the business to run based upon all the legal things that that the company needs. It's everything from drafting contracts, protecting intellectual property, protecting privacy rights, employment rights. There's so many aspects of a company that it's almost like being a panacea of things a young lawyer can learn about because of the opportunities in a company. Fantastic. Lucy, I'd like to flash back a little bit to when you were a young Java junkie as an undergrad at the University of Louisville. You got your BA in political science. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated? I absolutely thought that I would leave there and not only work for government, but then eventually run for office. That's what I thought. Really? 
I did. I loved coming out of political science. I did two internships in college, both of which were exceedingly helpful to my eventual career and just broadening of my ability to understand about civic government. I did a stint in our judiciary committee of our state legislature and become a judicial and legislative intern. That was a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then I worked in Washington, D.C. as an intern for our state senator, Democratic Senator Wendell Ford, and worked in his office there. So both of things gave me a really good picture of what it's really like to work for government and to be a civic leader. So I really felt good about that learning. But when I was through, I wasn't sure that I wanted to do it myself. <laughs> so when did you make the switch in your mind and and what did you decide you would do? What I decided to do is go into law school after that. So after my internships and after my political science degree, I thought that I would take that and actually either work in state legislative government, maybe as a person that drafted legislation. So I thought I would use it for that. What I ended up doing after law school is going into a private practice of a law firm and for a few years there did trial law but then moved into the nonprofit sector, supporting advocacy for persons with disabilities. So I took both of those things, the law and political advocacy in one place. So I ended up being the advocacy director of a independent living center for persons with disabilities, drafting legislation that protected the rights of people with disabilities, representing them pro bono when they needed legal assistance. And importantly, and excitingly, which was really exciting for me, is I got to be part of the movement that drafted the Americans with Disabilities. Disabilities Act and other state legislation, which actually protected the rights of people with disabilities. So I got to use both my law background and my political background to do advocacy work that I really believed in. That is incredible. And you have brought that love of advocacy and that support and passion to promote diversity into the private sector. Lucy, I want to ask two final questions that I try to ask all time for coffee guests. And the first one is something that I think it's hard for Java junkies who would look at someone like you who is at the very top of one of the largest, most respected private sector companies in the world and say, I bet she had smooth sailing. Sometimes we just need to share these personal stories to help young people understand that we've all had our ups and downs. Is there a story that you could share from a time in your career, Lucy, when you struggled and more importantly, how you persevered and maybe what lessons you may have learned as a result? I think one that I'll talk about, Andrea, is the fact when I finished my law degree, you realize after all that investment, you should love what you're doing. So my first job, I thought I was supposed to love it. And then I was in private practice of law, being a trial lawyer, but working 2,500 hours per year, toiling, really, and it wasn't very fun. I didn't love having to ask people for business. I didn't love the selling. I didn't love the hours. And I didn't think that I felt very committed to the work that I was doing. And that's really a hard place to be when you have invested your postgraduate career to getting a degree that you thought would make you instantly happy in the profession that you chose. It was quite a decision that I made to give that up completely and go to a $30,000 a year 
almost nonprofit work for me, put my student loans on hold, but take a job that I knew would make me happier than the one I was in and take a completely different road. But before making that choice, I didn't know whether I had wasted years of my college and postgraduate education on a career that it wasn't going to make me happy. And I didn't know what to do with that. And I think the best thing that happened to me was continuing having conversations with others who had struggled in their career choices, with lawyers who had gotten out. And so many people told me that those first years are the learning years. And the first years are those where you get to try things on and that your first job is not your only job. And getting all those kind of pieces of advice from people that were successful was incredibly helpful. Absolutely. In fact, I tell people after I left CNN, when they didn't renew my contract when I was 43 years old, I felt like Goldilocks and the Three Bears and the different jobs I had after that. I was trying different bowls of porridge. Some were too hot, others were too cold. It's a natural thing to evolve and change and just be gentle with yourself, right? That's right. And I think the more stories I heard from people who were able to give me straight up advice about this had happened to them, the more confidence I got that if they could do it, I could do it. And I think it is important to have these conversations that you're having with people trying on careers to know that no one got there through a simple climb up a staircase or a ladder, (laughs) but everyone got there through things that they wouldn't look back now and say they wish they would go through, but they were the things that, that tested them, brought them through fire and gave them skills and education that got them to the places that they are now. Mm. Lucy, final time for coffee question. If you could go back to the University of Louisville and do the college experience all over again, but based on the wisdom that you have now, what advice would you give yourself? I was very lucky to have one of the greatest personal mentors and advisors who was my political science professor. I wouldn't really do something different. I would do what what he advised me then, which was take only courses that interest you. Certainly, you have to do certain things to get your degree. I get that. But don't just sign up for the course that is just going to be part of your portfolio. But take the geography class from the professor that someone has told you is brilliant in geography. Take biology for non-majors, even if you're getting an English degree. Take courses that are going to broaden your scope. Get exposure to those absolutely critical professors who are going to challenge your thinking. Take the hard courses. Take the ones that are going to make you set up all night because the professor is the hardest one that people tell you about. And make every day your advantage in your college courses because that time you can never relive. I love that. That is such wonderful advice. And you were so lucky to have that professor take you under his wing. If only we all had that good fortune. Lucy, I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee with me today during our virtual Starbucks session here. I wish that I could reach across and give you a big hug, but I guess we'll just have to settle for a virtual one Thank you so much for making time for coffee with me and the Java Junkie community today. Thank you for making this podcast available to young people to make sure that they have exposure to so many ways that they can grow, learning, develop, and all the opportunities available to them. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.